0: Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Pirkei here where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. This is mission, mission number 10. And again, if you're following in different um, editions of the Mishnah, then the, I can't vouch for the number. So you just have to, to sort of find the mission because th- there's a lot of, as I've mentioned many times, there's a lot of different iterations of the Mishnah, um, and therefore there's a lot of different numbering systems. This is... Um, the classic numbering system this is mission number 10 today's mission is mission number 10 and tomorrow's mission is also mission number 10 okay so let's take a look at the mission on the side Huayah Omer used to say that anyone that the ruach the spirit of people is is coming from him exudes from this person meaning basically that people like him so the ruach Makum mokom God likes that also and anybody who the ruach is not nochei menu, it doesn't flow out of this person. So then, ruach nochei menu. So then, God doesn't appreciate that person either. The mission then goes on. Rabbi Dosa ben Harkinasomer. We'll have to talk about who he was um, tomorrow. And then he goes on to say, shenishol is sleeping late in the morning. shel sholtsarayim, having a lechaim in the middle of the day. Sichas yuladim, talking like children. Which we'll have to discuss exactly what that means, um, and the yeshivas, Bate shalami and sitting in and gathering places of ame of also needs to be discussed. olam, there were our old our old friend, adam olam. So again, the threat that it takes a person out of this world, and what exactly does all that mean? So now at least you know what's coming tomorrow, and um, and, and you can you know you can plan accordingly. But, but that's, we'll deal with that stuff um, tomorrow. Let's deal today with this idea of that any person that the Spirit of God comes out of that person, so then that's a person that God likes. And a person who the Spirit of God does not come out of that person, so then God's not happy with that person. Well, first of all, there's the, the just a, a, a straight-up difficulty, which is, is life really a popularity contest? Like God looks at a person and says, oh, you're a famous person, people like you, I like you too. Right? We know that that's not true. We know that there are, there are many famous people in the world that God's really not pleased with them. I would imagine not pleased with them because their behaviors are not really exemplary behaviors. It doesn't say anything about the character of a person just because you're well-known. You can do, you can do a, lot of, a lot of bad things and also be well-known. There are certain names in our history. And you mentioned the name and everybody knows that name. Even a person who doesn't study history knows that name. But, but they don't know the name, not because of the great things the person did, but because of the impact the person made in the world, which could have been a very negative impact. So, what does this mean that Kosher and or anybody who, you know, everybody likes this person, everybody talks about this person and so saying God likes it also? That's a very difficult, very, very difficult concept. And why should it be that what God, God will like me or not like me, you know, as God's will, God will be favorable to me or not favorable to me depending on what other people think about me? Why does it matter? We know that a person has to do things and not worry about what other people are saying. So, first, we mentioned this before, it's the first halach and the first halacha in that a person has to be careful not to, be, not to have his life shaped by what other people are saying, and that a person doesn't back down off of his religious connection because other people are saying negative things about him, or, or giving him a hard time, or putting, putting, road, putting emotional roadblocks in front of him to be able to grow. The person has to be very careful not to do that, that we can't be afraid of other people. So what does this mean when it says that, that if a ruach ha-briyos is so if people like you, so that's good. But it doesn't matter whether people like me or don't like me. That's not the that's not the the thing that dictates things. That's not the the and also So why? What does this mishnah mean? It would seem. My second problem is it would seem from this mishnah that I should only focus on ben on things that I have to do with me and other people, and I shouldn't have to worry then about ben adam lemakom, Shabbos kashrus. Right, Tars and Those I don't really have to worry about that. Why? Because look what the Mishnah says. The Kosher Ruach Abrios. If the Ruach Abrios is favorable with you, so then the Ruach Hashem is favorable with you, which means that if you like other people and get along well with others, God's happy. Keep Shabbos, it doesn't say God's happy. Be careful with kashrus. it doesn't say God's happy. It says if, you, if other people like you, that's when God's happy. That's a little weird. You're focusing only on one half, of the, one half of the picture of Judaism. You're focusing on one half of the picture of Mitzvah. What does that mean? Third thing, just because somebody likes you doesn't mean they have good judgment. In other words, why should that be? Just because, like, you know, you do something. You know, look at the knucklehead in the class. Everybody in the class loves the knucklehead. Yeah, the uncle that is always the one who, who does something silly and everybody laughs at him. And, and they, you know, he's like the, the, the class mascot. I remember there was once a kid that, that came into our high school. And in my mind, I thought that this kid was going to fail miserably. But because he was such a, a nerdy, like weird kind of kid, I just thought that the other guys who were, were a little bit in that particular class were a little bit faster, that they would eat this kid for breakfast. But this kid became the mascot of the school. And everybody loved this kid. He was the weirdest kid on two feet. And, and remains the weirdest kid on two feet, but nevertheless, everybody loves this kid. Okay, but you know, th- there's also there's also a concept that people don't have the best judgment. Just because people like this like, like this kid it happens to be this kid's beautiful kid, but he's just weird. But but in in, in other situations where people people love somebody, or people a lot of people you know will follow a person that doesn't mean that that person by definition is a good person or somebody worth following. Because not everybody has very good. Because ju- old no, people don't necessarily have good judgment. So I don't understand what this whole mission is trying to teach me. One last problem. That it says kol <laughs> The ruach ha-brios, that means the spirit of brios, of creations, of creatures. Why doesn't say ruach adam, ruach enosh, ruach Anoshin? There's other, other other ways that we could have said this. Ruach adam. Why is it talking about ruach ha-brios? Let's talk about the following concept. We know, we know that we have a very important concept. And that concept is Kiddush and the Hashem. Sanctifying God's name and desecrating God's name. And we know that when you do something in public, that's a negative thing, that people think negatively about what you're doing and negatively about Judaism and about the Jewish people, that's called the Chilul Hashem. It's called the desecration of the name of God. The only problem is, is that how do you desecrate the name of God based on the Hebrew word? The Hebrew word is Chilul <laughs> Hashem. something means to empty it out. How do you empty out God? How do you, how do, you do anything to impair God? You can't, you can't harm God. So what does it mean, Chil Hashem? Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name, is also really, the, in essence, the same problem. But, but Chil Hashem is much more serious. How do, you, how do you desanctify? How do you empty out God's name? We know our obligation in this world is to make what's called a Dira B'tachton. Our obligation in this world is to make a living place for God and to bring godliness into this world. Everything that we do, every mitzvah that we do, every chesed that we do, every bracha that we make is essentially bringing in the kedushah HaShem, the sanctity of God into this world. Very often we, we don't spend enough time thinking about this concept, that just my sitting alone in a room and saying a perik of tilin, my sending an email to someone that brings a smile to their face. My doing a chesed, even if I can't have physical contact, but my doing a kindness for somebody, my making a donation to someone or something, all of that is bringing Kedusha, bringing sanctity into this world. Every time we study Torah, every time we do something in a, we, we do something that brings, that brings Torah into this world, essentially brings Kedusha into this world, and it gives God what's called a Dira B'tachtonim, it gives God a dwelling place here. What does that mean? There are, there are svarim that talk much about this idea of Dira that we're building a dwelling place for God here in this world. So think of it in these terms. We're building an embassy. Because when you have an embassy to another country, that embassy becomes a representative of that country. That's in your country, that foreign country, that's really... The, the land of that foreign country. In many countries, that's the law that it's really foreign territory inside of your land, that the embassy has a certain immunity because there is, it's considered, it's considered sovereign um, territory to that particular, to the country that it is um, representing. An embassy represents that country, the people in that embassy, they are the presence of that country inside of the host country and that's the way a jew has to see himself a jew has to see himself as a representative as an embassy and especially a religious jew a religious jew has to see themselves as if they are representing god i'll tell you i had a most unfortunate um experience on friday you know I, I walk around. I don't. I don't walk around here in necessarily my, my hat and jacket. But you know, I walk around white shirt, black pants, whatever. You know, black yarmulke identified automatically with a with a certain group. And I was in a in a store, and the checkout lady. It was a story where there weren't a lot of a lot of apparently religious people, and the the checkout lady looks at me, I'm on the, the line with her, 10 items. I had exactly 10 items. And in as loud of voice as she could say, she barks at me and, and she says, you can't be in this line. And you know, I looked at her with a smile, like, you know, you must be joking. And she said to me, you can't be in this line, you have more than 10 items. Of course you have more than 10 items. I said, no, no. I said, I, I, I think I have 10 items. And she starts to press it. And the guy who was checking out, also you know, wasn't wearing a kippa. I don't, I don't know religious, not religious, but he wasn't wearing a kippa. He looks at her, and in a very stern, soft voice, he says to her, cut it out. And she backed off. I, I wasn't even so, so aware of what was going on until, until that m- moment when he said it to her that way. He didn't say to her, you know, he's got 10 items, it's fine. He told her to cut it out because he knew what she was doing. I got what she was doing. And I'm not particularly sensitive to this. It doesn't make a difference to me. You know, you dress like a certain person and they think you're a certain thing. It's, it's, all, it's all good to me. Like, it doesn't matter. But this was, this was particularly embarrassing and particularly stark. All I did was smile and said Shabbat Shalom, smiled, spoke nicely, because I knew that at that moment, the magnifying glass was on me. Uh, it, it was it was already on me, but now the magnifying glass was piara, it was now like like ramped up, and I was an embassy, I was an ambassador, and at this point, I needed to come across and to make an impression, a favorable impression of God, and that's what every religious Jew has to feel. Unfortunately, not everyone does but you have to recognize that you are an ambassador, you're an embassy. That's what it means, Dira It doesn't mean just, you know, some, some little, oh, wow, it feels so good, Kumbaya, God's around me. That's not what it means, Dira B'tachtonim. Dira means you are living in an embassy and you are an ambassador. You know, Hillel once turned to his students in the middle of a shir and he said to them, I have to go do a mitzvah. So, okay. He stopped the she'er and he went to go do a mitzvah. So they followed him to see where he went. He went to a bathhouse. So afterwards they said to him, Rebbe, is that what you call, you know, going to take a bath? Doing a mitzvah? You know, it's like I'm, I'm going bowling, doing a mitzvah. Like, what, what does it mean? You go, you're going to do a mitzvah. You went to take a bath. So he said that I'm a representative of gods and therefore grooming and taking care of my body is doing a mitzvah. Because I am cleaning the representative of God. I am cleaning the Tzalem al Do you ever wonder, how did Avram Avinu turn on the entire world to monotheism? We know that in the Shmonassar, when we're taught in general, when it comes to brachas, that any bracha that doesn't have shame or malchus, that doesn't have God's name in it, is not considered a bracha. So, if you say a bracha, Baruch Shech Yonav, Kimonav, Yonav, that, it's that's not a real bracha, because you left out Ata Hashem Lokenu, Melech Olam. You leave out God's name, and Malchus, and Melech Olam, so then it's not a bracha. Okay, look at the Shemona essay. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu, Velkei, Vosenu, Elokei, Avraham, Elokei, Yitzchak, Barucha Yaakov. Baruch atah Hashem, blessed are you God, Elokenu, our God, Velkei, the God of our fathers, Elokei, Avraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. What's missing in that bracha? Melech. There's no Melech HaOlam. Look at every other bracha you recite. Every bracha that's a real bracha has Ato shem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. And yet there's no Malchus. There's no Melech. So a rabbi say that when you say the name Avraham, Elokei Avraham, that's like saying Melech HaOlam. Because Avraham Avinu when you would merely say his name, you would associate that with Melech Olam with the, the king of the universe. Because when you looked at Avram Avinu, you saw Malchus. And that's why Avram Avinu was able to turn the world on to monotheism because he exuded that connection to God. It wasn't merely that he, w- that he would talk about the connection to God. It wasn't that he would, he, he would instruct you about the connection to God. He exuded the connection to God. That was the difference between Avram and Noach. Noach had to had to instruct you, and it was useless instruction because he didn't turn anybody on. Avraham Avinu instructed nobody; he just lived a certain way that was a reflection of God. He was an ambassador for God in this world, and in that way, he, he was able to be associated with, and therefore people wanted to connect themselves to and associate themselves with God. He became a dira b'tachtonim; he became a living space for God in this world. What is a chilu Hashem? a desecration of the name of God. Achil Hashem is when you empty that godliness out of yourself. When there is something missing inside of you, there's a void of God. That's what it means to be mechalo shem Shamayim. That people look at you and they don't see an ambassador. And they don't see godliness because you've emptied that godliness out of your life. That's what it means to be machal Hashem. You haven't hurt God at all, but what you've done is you have let down your you have let down your guard, and therefore let down your job, your job to be an ambassador. You've emptied that out, and that's ultimately a chil Hashem. You have desecrated God's name. You have emptied out God's you have emptied out God from your life, and therefore lost an opportunity to be an ambassador. That's what the mission is saying to us. The mission is saying, it was not a popularity contest. It means that people are attracted to you, not because you're popular, not because you're cute, not because you're funny, but they're attracted to you because of your godliness. They're attracted to you because they see in you that presence of God. They see that malchus. They see that ruach ha they see that they see that spirit of God and that Ruach and God is going to be pleased with that also because he sees that the embassy is active. He sees that the ambassador is doing what he needs to be doing. We need to focus not only on the Ben adam Lechavero but on the Ben Odom LeMakom between us and God also. Because what does it mean ruach it doesn't mean that you're nice to other people. It means that people see godliness from you. Where does godliness come from? It comes from the way you act towards other people and it comes from the way you act towards God. The famous story of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, when Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, was when he passed away, he had been living for his past, his, his end years, he was living in Muncie. And the uh the, there was a nun that came to pay a call And she comes into the house and she says to the family, and these are good the daily tire of the family, they're all sitting in this nun comes to be Menachem of them And she says to the family that I just wanted to tell you about your father and your grandfather. Uh, says he was a nun in Muncie's so her church was in a certain place, says Every single morning, your father and I passed each other. And he would be walking with his pillow. That was the way she described his towels and film. He'd be walking with his pillow and we would walk past each other and he would greet me and say good morning. And it didn't make a difference. I would try to say good morning before he said good morning to me, but he always got there before me. He always said good morning to me first. And I respond, I had to respond to him. And I could never get it that I would say it first. And he was the only person that I passed ever that would greet me. When the Ruach when you look at a person, you see Malchus. You see that the Melech HaOilom in that person's life. So then the Ruach HaMokom, God is very pleased with that. You know, there are certain people you look at People call their holy people, and you don't always feel that. But there are some people that you just you look at their faces, and you see the ruach Elokim coming out of their face. They have what's called a hadras ponim. Yaakov happened to have been one of those people that, when you would see him, he had s- such a beautiful countenance of God that would come from him. He, he was he was a person of, of incredible sensitivity and a person of of incredible. Um, of incredible insight he was once he was once speaking in a in a camp in camp aguda and the, he didn't want that the boys should take pictures of him in those days the your camera and your phone were not attached to each other there was an, a separate gizmo called a phone i know that's for some of us here, we've forgotten that but there is a thing called a phone uh, called, called, a, called a, a camera so the boys would take would take pictures you know your god comes to camp you want to take a picture and, and he wouldn't let them, but he wouldn't let them only because he knew that they wouldn't be paying attention. They'd be worried about taking pictures the whole time. So he asked that nobody take pictures. He finished speaking. He looks at the boys and he says, okay, one second. He turns around and in a cute you know, show, he straightens his hair, he straightens his tie. He turns back to the boys and he smiles. And he says, now you can take pictures. He understood that if they were going to take pictures, they were never going to listen. But he also understood that, listen, why shouldn't they have pictures if they, if they feel that they want to take pictures? Let them take pictures. When he smiled, the whole world lit up. I once met Reb Yaakov in, in the airport, right after I got engaged. He was coming back from Eretz with um, on a plane. It happened to have been on the same plane that my wife was coming back on, right after we got engaged We were coming to meet my parents. And it was my father's Rebbe. And... The, in the airport it was a, it was like a real scene my father was he saw his rebbe and he started running towards his rebbe and you know my my kala was standing really right behind him and uh you know i, I, I couldn't imagine my father knew that that was who my kala was he hadn't met her yet and he was he was running in that direction i think well, that's weird and then i realized that he was running towards his rebbe and uh, and it was just such a scene my father seeing his rebbe and and, and we got this beautiful picture but the the face of this person when you looked at him, you saw Melech And many of our Gidoilam, many of our, our giants in Torah, you see them and you see exuding from them this, this spirituality, this ruchness, this connection to God. That's what a Kodosh Baruch Hu wants from us. He wants Ruach HaBriyot's Narechei Menu. Ruach doesn't mean that you're popular. It doesn't mean that people like you. It means that when you look at that person, it, the person exudes a spirituality. The person exudes a sense of kedusha, a sense of holiness. You know, we say this in our davening every day. <speaking in Hebrew> you have to love the Lord your God. <speaking in Hebrew> How do our commentaries explain to. One of the ways they explain it is that the shame Hashem, the name of God should be misaheb, should be beloved because of you. That people should look at you and say, if that's what it's like to live with God, I want to live with God also. If that's what it's like to be a godly person, then I want a piece of that. I want to be that way also. That's part of the commandment of Yahavtas Hashem Lekecha of loving God. Part of the commandment of loving God is causing God to become beloved in the world. This is our job. Our job, our task, our purpose here is to be an embassy and that we should be incredible ambassadors. Imagine what our religious world would look like on every level. I'm talking in every color. I'm talking on every level what our religious world would look like if we would ask ourselves before we reacted to another person, before we acted, before we did something in public, if we said to ourselves, wait, I'm an ambassador. How is an ambassador supposed to act? You know, there were times in America where I would very much, I'm not a particularly great driver. And there were times where I would feel—I never did it—but I would feel motivated to take my yarmulke off, because I knew I cut somebody off on the on the road, and and I knew that they weren't happy with me, and you know, and I knew they weren't happy with me because they would give me the bird when they would they would pass me by on the on the highway. You know, they would scream out something from the window, So I knew they weren't saying you know Shabbat Shalom. I, I knew it wasn't good, but and and I understood that they weren't saying something to me because I was an idiot that cut them off. I was the Jewish idiot that cut them off. And it would, it would bother me tremendously because they would associate it not with just the thing that I did, but associate it with my Jewishness. But imagine if that was in front of our eyes always, of this concept of Ruach menu, that the Spirit of God has to exude from me. Imagine if before we did mitzvahs, we did that. Before we davened, before we kept Shabbos, Before we did many of the things that we said to ourselves, is the Spirit of God, nocha himenu, is the Spirit of God coming from you? If somebody were to to look into my house and to see me make kiddush, would they say, wow, what a heligah kiddush, what a holy kiddush? Or would they look at it and say, what's that person mumbling? You know, imagine, I've mentioned this before, imagine a foreign person walks into a shul and watches what's going on in a shul. So think about it from their perspective. They have no idea they're from Mars. They never saw a shul before in their lives. It would look weird to them unless there was real kedusha in that shul. If they saw people davening with Kavana and they saw a beautiful, just a beautiful aura in the shul, they wouldn't have to know a thing about a shul. They would feel that sense of ruach ha-makaim They would feel that sense of godliness pouring out of the, of the place and pouring out of each person. That's what we have to strive for. What, what Hanina Mendoza is teaching us is that Ruach that we have to be a person that people look at and see Melech People look at us and see Malchus. They see royalty. They see God himself. They see that spirit flowing from us. Because when we've reached that level, then Ruach then God is going to be pleased with us also. The spirit of God will continue to exude from us. Okay, my thoughts. That's the way I see this Mishnah. Tomorrow, we will talk about sleeping late. Don't get nervous. Like Don't, don't not come tomorrow because oh, I, I don't want to hear him tell me I'm not supposed to sleep late. Right? We'll talk about it because there's nothing wrong with sleeping late, by the way. I, I don't particularly do it, but there's nothing wrong with sleeping late we'll find out what the Mishnah means when it says shul having a little Chaim in the middle of the day you know, there are people that do that what does what the Mishnah mean when it says when it says that's bad what does it mean, like goo-gooing to a child like what's the big deal, why is that a bad thing so anyway, we'll, tomorrow we'll spend time on what each one of these things are okay, everybody should have a beautiful, wonderful, amazing day and in Yitzah Hashem we will see you all tomorrow Thank you very much. Thank you. Rabbi. Have a great day, guys. Rabbi, my you, pleasure. Have a Shavuot Tov. an amazing week. Oh, Rabbi, yes. what's the reason? What's the reason for um, using Abraham's name instead of um, Malchus and the Amidah? <laughs> That's the the way that the brachu was structured. Was and it could very well be that 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 according to those that hold that the melech Olam, there are other answers that are given. But 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 according to the one that says it's melech haolam, it could be the bracha was structured in order to teach us that 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 there are that, that can be accomplished not only by saying melech Olam, but by looking at brios that, that also represent melech Olam, So then that that can be accomplished that way also. That's my first answer. I want to think about your question. I'd like to, It's a good question. But that—that's my—that's my first answer, and that again would only be an answer according to those that hold that we—we we fulfill the Melacha Olam through Elokevram. Um, Al- okay. I okay, but I'll think thing. about it. R- 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 another R- answer. Rabbi. Rabbi. Yes. Can I make a suggestion? Or? Sure. Yeah. Um, hold on one Rabbi. second. Andy, hold on one second. Just uh, um yeah. Lou is speaking. Yes. Yes, yeah. sir. Sure. Your, what, what you had mentioned uh, uh, about the um, uh, comparison with the embassy, was, it's, a, it's an incredible comparison. I would mean, just to make a suggestion. With all of your experiences uh, in La Jolla, San Diego, and people stopping you positively or negatively, they're just beautiful stories. You might write a short article uh, to <laughs> hit the point. It's a beautiful analogy. Uh, Thank beautiful. you so much. That's beautiful. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yep. Now that I'm a free agent, I, 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 got, I should theoretically have plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Andy, what do you want to say? Thank you, Robert. We were discussing what you say is so true. And the opposite is the same. Like when you see a good ambassador pulls you in the right way, but when you see a bad ambassador pulls you the other way, like and nothing to do with the Torah or Torah is right. But it's very hard sometimes to differentiate between, you know, What's God and what's a person, you know, who right. fulfills God's commandments. It's like, it's very hard when you see that it's not the right way. What, what I mean, happens we, often, we, you're, you're, you're 100% correct, what, and what happens often, because we're humans, so when you see, when you see what appears to be a bad ambassador, which, which is not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not because he's doing something that God, th- that, that God told him to do. He's doing something specifically in a way that God told him not to do it, but nevertheless, the bad ambassador washes back on the entire people. The good ambassador, unfortunately, doesn't, doesn't have as, very often, doesn't carry as much strength as the damage that a bad ambassador can do. A good ambassador can do a lot of good, but, but not as much as a bad, not as much bad as a bad ambassador can do. I agree with you 100%. And that's, that, that's why, you know, this is just something, it's a mission of Pirkei this is not, there's nothing, there's nothing like incredibly deep here. This is a mission and picky avos, but this is a basic, a basic thing that I'm not sure is, is ingrained, you know, is, 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 is infused strong enough into people, into every person that, you know, every religious person and really every human being, but every religious person really needs to, 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 to spend time on this concept of recognizing that what I do and how I do it makes a major difference in the balance of this world. It's the same with, by the way, with anti-Semitism. There's there's some anti-Semitism that it is impossible to remove that anti-Semitism because there's some anti-Semitism that's in the mother's blood. It's just there. It's in the mother's milk. But there is a degree of anti-Semitism that is caused by the way that we act. And that if we would recognize that we were ambassadors, and here I talk, you know, both religiously and non-religiously, but if we would recognize that we were ambassadors, we could, we could wipe out or, or we could dilute a huge amount of anti-Semitism that exists in the world. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. You know, I just take it in the context of your life, Andy, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a, uh, you know, a tennis player. Okay, whether you wear a yarmulke, don't wear a yarmulke when you play tennis, you're, you know, you got a Jewish name, you're, you're associated, and you're, you're from Israel, you're associated as a Jewish guy. Um, the the good that you can do, what you do, I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying this as a Muslim thing. I'm just saying that the good that you do is incredible. When the Jewish guy is a sweet guy, and and you know people see him with his team and see him working with the, with, with his kids in such a sweet way, that that goes to lifting up the image of the Jewish people. That's exactly what this mission is talking about. That ruach habrias neichemenu, that people look at you and say, "Wow, that that's amazing." If that's what it is to be Jewish. Doesn't make a difference, religious, not religious. If that's what it means to be Jewish, then you know what? I'm in.